Welcome back. Welcome. I know it's been a little while, and we know you've been missing us. We know we've been craving it. We read all your letters. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. trying to go cold turkey for you, but... You know, we can't resist you. You need our fix. And we need you. Yeah. Our fix. So here we are. Yeah. Back again for another episode. For episode 43. Of History Unfiltered. Yes. The in plot. case you didn't know what you clicked. In case... In case it was a mistake and came up you on know, your listening You know, there are maybe some device. people who just randomly hit buttons on their phone and Is then they end up with something. cast shuffle? No, but there should be. There should be. There should be. I think... It would be more fun that way. But History Unfiltered, we're a podcast where we we tell you the fun bits of history. We leave out all the boring shit. Yeah. And we just tell you the good parts. Because really, isn't that what life's all about? You want to just fast forward everything. Exactly. And we're that fast forward get button. Get to the meaty bit. Um, and today, to just add in that sweet male perspective that we've been lacking. Yes. Uh, for the last little bit, we have our guest, um, my one true love uh, and dedicated husband, Carl. Hello. I'm sure you've heard him on other episodes. I think this is the first episode he's been on since we've been married. Yep. Um, yeah. but, uh, but he's constantly in the background listening. <laughs> he's always listening, always observing. I, I frequently get yelled at for not listening to the podcast, but I'm present for most of them. So Yeah, but I edit it so good. And yeah. so. I'm, I'm sure there's been things you wanted to chime in and say, and now's your chance. Yes, now, <laughs> now I can say whatever I want to. Exactly, and I think this is the perfect topic for you to come in, because today we're going to be talking about the Great Stork Derby. Sweet. Is that cars? No. Roller derbies, but with storks. I mean, Wait, does this have something to do with babies? Yes, it oh. does. So are storks mythical? No, they're not. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where they're the legend, they bring babies, but they don't exist. Like the Ogopogo. Kelsey just saw my face and was like, no, they're no. not mythical. <laughs> no. No, they're real. Storks are real. Are but, they like cranes? Kind of, but yeah. they've become associated with childbirth. Yes. Due to like kind of Is this why? No. Oh, okay. There's a there's a movie called Storks uh, with Andy Samberg and another person. And Is that a cartoon? It's a yeah, it's a, it's okay. an animated film. I think you'll like it a whole lot. It's not like the birds. No, it's not like okay. the birds. No. That would be a really good episode like talking about how storks became associated with childbirth and that sort of thing. I'm going to do an episode on that. I'm going to write it down. But it doesn't have to do with the Great Stork Derby. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, but first I need to thank the people that I got most of this research from. Um, another podcast called This American Life gave me a lot of information as well as the Toronto Herald, uh, is where is I did newspaper? most of my research. Yes. And Wikipedia. Thank uh, you. I love Wikipedia. Wikipedia is the best. Um, so this whole story begins with a man. Uh, which is strange because it's about the Stork Derby, but it begins with a man, and his name is Charles Vance Miller. And he was a Toronto lawyer. Oh, this is a Canadian history. This is a Canadian oh. history. I, I don't think we do enough Canadian history. We don't. And this is like something that was really, really impactful and important in Canadian history, but no one talks about it. I've anymore. never heard of it. I know. I didn't even know a Stork was real. So <laughs> I obviously need to know this. Yeah. So he was a lawyer and financier in Toronto. He's born in 1853. 
um, and he attended the University of Toronto for his law career, um, built himself up in the community, made some very wise investments, got quite wealthy, um, and he was very good at his job. He studied the law, he loved the law, um, and all of that stuff. He was but married to the law. He was married to the law. He never married. Legally married to the law. He never married, he never had children, um, his life was the law. And the thing that he loved more than the law was practical jokes. Oh. He loved doing pranks. I feel like this is a good Canadian guy. Loves yeah. practical jokes and obeying the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he loved uh, playing pranks on people. He loved playing off people's greed. Uh, he would often, you know, leave money on the street and then hide to see, like, who would pick it up. Stuff like that. <laughs> a homeless man comes, he pushes him over. Ha! <laughs> gotcha. I am the law. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I wouldn't call that prank. Basically, his mantra, his philosophy was that every man has their price. Oh. And he wanted to find out what that price was in a lot of cases. And so he used his wealth for games. Yes. Oh, I love that. I know. I mean, that's, what, that's what rich people do, right? They like, like the movie Rat Race. Yeah. Trading Places. Like, How there's much... so, many, so many examples of rich white people. Yeah. <laughs> Putting poor people against one another. Yeah, and yeah. Charles was the OG. How much would it take for you to do this stupid yeah. thing? Like, yeah. oh, I wouldn't do that. No, give you fifty your bucks. Price. Yeah, it just takes a lot of cash. <laughs> Tell he, him when to stop here. He was the original reality show host. Oh, the original. Yeah, he he loved that sort of stuff. He loved, and the more I tell you about this guy, the more I think you're gonna love him, oh, Kelsey. Yes. Um. So it's Halloween of 1926. He's having lunch with his lawyer friends, um, and they're having an argument about some sort of legal precedent. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but Charles insists that he's right. So he makes the people follow him three floors up to his office. Yeah. They, he jogs up rapidly, pulls out the book, points to the thing, and then has a heart attack and dies. No. <laughs> Wait, this is the end to him? Yes. But um, even though he's died of a heart attack, even though... I feel like he'd want to go that way. Proving, so, like, proving himself right. I was right. Now I'm dead. He probably had a heart attack on the way up, but he's like, no, nah, I've got to at least prove him right. Got to at least do it before I go out. Um, but as executors found his will, they oh. realized that this was the biggest prank of all. His will. Does he have like some sort of game? Is it like Brewster's Millions? <laughs> kind of. So first we'll talk about some of the funnier entries into this will. So he left shares in a Catholic brewing company. So a brewing company owned by Catholics um, to every practicing um, Protestant minister in Toronto that advocated for prohibition. So every single one who was like, don't drink alcohol. He left shares to this brewing company for it. Yeah. Um, like, here, he, make, make a bit of money in this Catholic brewery. Uh, he had a vacation home in Jamaica. Yep. Which he left to three lawyers who he was colleagues with that he knew hated one another. <laughs> and left it to all three of them. And if any one of them tried to sell their share, that money would immediately go to the poor of Toronto. So he wasn't giving them an exit. He wasn't giving them like, an If out. you want to use it, you have to use it together. Exactly. Um, he left a membership to a jockey club to a politician who was against horse racing. Um, <laughs> so really... 
clearly he was just having a lot of fun. He's just like, I have all this money. Who's it going to go to? I'll just annoy people even after I'm dead. Exactly. I do enjoy that. In his will, um, he actually states that um, it is necessarily uncommon and capricious because I have no dependents, no near relations, and no duty rests upon me. What I do leave is proof of my folly in gathering and retaining more than I required in my lifetime. Aww. So I like this guy. Probably the most contentious, and the reason why we're telling this story, is Clause 10 Okay. in his will. And Clause 10 stipulated that Miller's estate in 10 years yeah. would be converted into cash, so in 1936, and after his death would be given to the Toronto woman who had the most children in the time between his death and the 10-year so deadline. So they're like, you know, 10 years and the person who can produce the most children gets all my money? Exactly. And at the or time... Or the money of the estate? At the time, his estate was worth about $500,000, which is $7.2 million nowadays. Could you imagine going for that and being, like, one child short or just, like, had not given birth soon enough and now you're stuck with all these children and no way to pay for them? And we're going to talk about that. Is he... <laughs> Like, single-handedly responsible for, like, a baby boom? We're going to talk about okay. it. We're going to talk about it. We're all, we're all going to do about this. So the first thing that happens is distant relatives of this guy are like, no. Yeah. No. We're I'm not. Coming, I'm claiming this money. This is stupid. So we have distant cousins, aunts, all coming, trying to claim that this will is invalid. He was crazy. That he was crazy, all of this stuff. However, Miller, with his love of the law, perfectly structured... His yeah. will, so that would it would withstand like, any court sound, challenge. Sound mind and not crazy. Here's a note from my physician. <laughs> he did everything right, even with clause ten, officially saying that the births had to be registered with vital statistics, and the woman who had the highest number would get so the money. Needs actual birth certificates. Exactly, needs to be registered births, and if there was a tie, it would be split evenly among okay. the women. I could see that there could be multiple ties. Yeah. So initially, immediately after his death, there were a few kind of small stories about it, but no one really paid attention to this mm -hmm. weird will at first. But six years after his death, a politician became aware of this will and that it was continued to be fought in court by uh, Charles's relatives. Um, so he decided he was going to try and put a bill forward. He's like, I'll, or he could just be like, I'll go for it. I'll try to have the most children <laughs> with my wife. We'll he, win this house. He tries to put a bill forward in, um, the legislature saying in Ontario. illegal. Saying that they should nullify the will and give all the funds to Charles's alma mater, the University of Toronto. So he was trying to get the money for the University of Toronto. Yeah. But when the press picked up on this... The public and the media were outraged because they're like, we've been working hard for this for six years. No, but no one knew about it. No yeah. one knew that this was going on. No one was working hard. They're like, there was this contest. We want a baby race. Yeah. We want to have a fucking baby race. Let's go. I want to earn this it. house fair and square. And so the politician, realizing his folly, realizing yeah. that his whole idea had backfired. He's like, oh no. You want a baby race? You can have a baby race. Let's yeah. go. Let's do this. But it's six years in, meaning that people couldn't start from scratch here. So, so it would have counted from six years ago. It would have counted from six years ago, meaning 
that all the front runners would be in vital statistics and that no new people could start. It could only be women that had had six children over the last six years. So it had, it could only be women that had already just been giving birth to lots of babies on their own without any motivation of money. Okay. So it's just taking anyone for the last six years who have given birth. Um, they're the only ones that could be in the race. No one else can start. Because it's too far gone. Like, okay. unless you had, like, multiples or something, it was basically impossible. I mean, you're out of the race, yeah. So the media has a field day. They rush off to Vital Statistics to see who are the front runners um, in this uh, race. Yeah. And they start tracking these women down, knocking on their doors and saying, we want exclusive rights to tell your story. And with that, the Great Stork Derby began. So... Is it, like, how many children would you have had in six years to be the front runner? Like, three or four? More than that. You More? We're going to talk about some... There's people that, without any motive, just have, like, eight kids in six years? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? So, we're going to talk about it. So, this is the 1930s, right? So, the Great Depression has gripped the city. Um, People are living in poverty in Toronto. So it's, it's produced more people. There had actually been like a dip in the birth rate because obviously people yeah. are very poor, but there were still some women that had had a lot of children in that time. And the media offered money to photograph the families, have exclusive so, access to so them. Like, a couple more children, we could have millions of dollars. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it motivated them. So the race began with many women at the front, including Hilda Grisano, Emmanuel Dorico, and Clarence Kitts, all having six living children since 1926. Are any of these more prone to having twins? Because I think that would give you a head start. Oh, yeah, for sure. That there was. was one woman in 1934 Two for who had five at once Ugh. that immediately bumped her up, but she hadn't had any children before that. So she was, was only starting out with five then. <laughs> Everyone else is already. So we're going to only focus because there were so many women in this race, so many people that were speculated about. It was reported in the news. People called it the freak race. Uh, in Canada, this is like babies. a ten-year or at least four years left of exciting times. It is, and it was widely reported on, and the public was invested in this story and yeah. invested in what was going on. I'm sure there was like a gambling ring going. I feel on. Like, oh, one hundred percent. Oh, I bet gambling. this person's gonna have the most kids. <laughs> everyone, you're walking around with all your babies, and everyone's probably super nice to you because if you just happen to win. You never You'll know. have all this money. So we're going to focus on the three favorites to win the, okay. the baby race. Did one of them actually win? I'm not going to tell you. Was there people in the public that they just hated? They're like, I don't like this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stop having babies. We're, we're going to, I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be a surprise at the end who wins. So I'm not going to tell you how many babies they end up having, but I will mention some numbers. So uh, the first person we're going to talk about is Mrs. Grace Baganato. And as okay. from that name, you might tell she's Italian. Yes. Um, so she was a um, great learner of languages. She knew how to speak English, Polish, German, Yiddish, and Italian fluently. She worked as a translator and uh, court interpreter in Toronto. Uh, she would get up at 4.30 in the morning and make food for all of her family, butter rolls, red sauce, macaroni, everything. Like, she was a fantastic mother. Um, and she had many, many pregnancies, many that, you know, didn't carry through many that didn't live to adulthood, but she was constantly pregnant. She's Italian Catholic and her husband was an Italian immigrant. 
So because of this fact, because of the fact that she was Italian, um, she wasn't super well liked in the race because at the time Toronto was very WASPy. So WASPy stands for white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Mm. Like, we want someone who's lived here all their life to get this estate. Exactly. They're, they they didn't like the fact that they were Italian. And then this is someone also... Someone can come into our country and have more babies than us. And at the same time, Italy is being ruled over by a fascist dictator, Bucinito Mussolini. Mm -hmm. So people aren't a fan of that. So people call them on the phone, calling them fascists, threatening to kidnap their children. Well, they only need the birth certificates. Yeah, they don't need the children. Like That'll help us out. Make room for more. Um, And it didn't help that another Italian family in the race named their kid Mussolini. Mm. Little Mussolini. (laughs) Now, did any of these families, did they just coincidentally start having kids in this 10-year bracket? Or did some of them have kids previously that they were carrying over, like, that wouldn't have counted, but they would have had three kids already, and they're like, damn it, these three kids didn't count. There were some women who just happened to have their first child in 1926 and continued onwards mm-hmm. very, in very quick succession. I think this succession. would be easier for starting families. Yeah. Then be like, oh, well, we already have six. Are we going to try to win this? Probably not. Well, um, Grace, she already had, I believe, three living children before 1926. Um, when, like, the before official race the official, began. So they would not have counted as her They wouldn't have count counted towards the house. They wouldn't have counted to her total. Okay. No, they wouldn't have counted to her total. So that's Grace. Um, the next contestant we're going to talk about is Mrs. X. Oh, which was already intrigued. Which is how she was spoken about in the media because she was our scandalous woman in the race. Like, oh, she, like not the same father or she exactly? An oh, no, not an every X-Man. child has a different father. That would be cool. No, um, so she was shunned in the race because her children were fathered by multiple men. So she had had. Five children, starting in 1926 with her husband, Mm -hmm. um, before their marriage fell apart. He was very abusive to her, um, and so she decided to leave. Good for her. Um, And she started a new relationship um, with her lover, who we don't know the name of, or... Mr. X. Mr. X. um, And they started having children together. And she wanted to marry him, but she was too poor to afford a divorce. Meaning Uh. that... The children that she was having with right. him during the race illegitimate. were illegitimate. But they still count. Yeah. I'm sure our um, our guy would encourage that, if anything. He sounds like the type of guy that would like that. Well, by age 24, she's yeah. 24, so younger than you and me, yeah. she had already had 10 children. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of. And did these all count? Uh, well, we'll we'll talk about what counts and what doesn't count, but she had already had 10 children by that point. So she had quite a few. It sounds like there's no other rules. Nowhere does it state they all have to be fathered by the same person. No, here's the interesting thing. She came into the race quite late as a front runner because they were keeping her identity secret. But as she kind of pulled into the lead with this large number of children, um, her identity was eventually revealed and her name was Pauline May Clark. Okay. So we have Grace, like X better. we have Pauline, we have Mrs. X, you can call her whatever. And then our last front runner is Mrs. Kenny. Uh, she was a French-Canadian Mrs. woman. Kenny. She was just under five feet tall, Okay, French-Canadian, married an Irishman, 
Um, and she was a talented wood carver. She like made wood carvings. She actually made a wood carving of Char- Charles Miller yeah. that she presented, and she's like, him and I, we have a connection. She was devoutly religious. She was Catholic, and she claimed that her and Miller were divinely connected by God, and that he had told her in his in her dreams that she would win the baby race, and they that he had told this to her. Okay, well, you need proof. It's good enough. To, isn't good enough to just be like you can probably win. Um, and at Babies. one at one point, a bunch of the women who were in the front running for this race said, "Let's." Come together. Let's all agree to like stop having kids. To all have the same amount of babies. Have the same amount of babies and split it evenly. They're like, I'll be have a secret baby. And And a bunch of the women were willing to do this, but Mrs. Kenny refused. And when asked why she did, she said, I'm the winner. I won't split it with anybody. Why should I? It's my money. And if the judge doesn't give it all to me, I'll walk right up to the bench and I'll punch him in the eye. (laughs) Right in the eye with a tiny little fist. Her eye-sized fist. Those greedy French. <laughs> she was very feisty, and anywhere you look in the media, she was, like, putting up a fight. And she honestly thought God had proclaimed that this money was destined for her. So all these women for all these, ten, like, ten years were just constantly pregnant. Yes, basically. Now, of the three Ugh, women, sounds exhausting. Mrs. Kenny was definitely the poorest. Um, her family lived in a slum, um, and, uh, she, while living in the slum, three of her children were attacked by rats. Um, the youngest one, which was counted, uh, for the baby race, got very sick from an illness, from these bites. From rats? From rats. Um, they tried to take the baby to the public health nurse. The public health nurse refused to come into the area, and the baby died. So it was there's rats everywhere. It's awful. And when and the media like, and re- I still need to have more. And I still need to have more. And when the media reported on it, they didn't report, oh, the death of this child, the death of anything. It was how it would affect Mrs. Kenny's standing in, in the, the derby. Race. Yeah. And it still counts and everyone cheers. Hooray! It wasn't for I nothing. Mean, well <laughs> She's no. not sat there having all these babies and just be like, think of the children. No, I don't want to win the house. I just want my family to be safe. She's, now now does infant kinda... mortality count? Because infant mortality is like uh defined a certain way, like the child has to reach a certain age to mm. to count, count as, as a, a as a population. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna talk about that. So uh, many of, as a human being, it just has to be a couple of cells. Yeah, apparently. that's true. <laughs> but <laughs> as an actual in person, some, in some states, at least five years. <laughs> I, I want the people from the baby race and the people on the opposite side of like the pro, like the pro-choice movement, to have a discussion because I think they would have they some differing opinions. As a person um, between when they're born and five, but before that or after that, then they're okay. Yeah, then we're good. Um, <laughs> so many of the women didn't want it to seem like they were only having children from the Derby. Many women said that they would have had these babies anyway. Like Grace Benito was like, I've, I've I, always been pregnant. I've always been pregnant. I wasn't, this race is just an added bonus. Like <laughs> I just, every day for me, I pumped out babies before the race. I'll pump out babies after the race. Yeah. I'm good. Um, however, Mrs. Kenny told the papers that she was actively trying to conceive just for the derby. Yeah. So she's like... I mean, when you're living in a place getting attacked by rats, yeah. uh, what's best for your family? Well, if you have more babies, you'll get a house. She's like, honey, come over here. We need a house. Yeah. <laughs> Do your business. Um, and 
Um, the really sad thing is that Mrs. X, Pauline, yeah. was actually in a really awful situation. Her lover, we found out, drew up a contract oh. that he forced her to sign where she would have to give him half of her winnings if he continued to impregnate her for the race. Um, and we also found out uh, through the course of the race that he was abusive to her, giving her black eyes, ripping off her front door, and chasing her out into the street after a fight. So, so because she was still married, if she got awarded the money, her husband would get some of that money. Technically, Technically, yeah. and then she also sent a contract saying that the other people... Um, guy had the to guy give her half. The guy had also half, so she would end up with, what, a quarter? Yeah. And then he was probably, if you was saying, I need to impregnate you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that called into question was, were people being coerced into this? Were women yes. being coerced? Like, they have husbands who are like... I want that money. You need to get pregnant. Yes. Um, and that kind I of I feel situation. like what sound is a really fun plan. Yeah. Kind of had too many sour went, spots. Went sideways yeah. a little too easily. Yeah. And it's going to get worse because believe it or not, having all those babies is very dangerous. Yes. In the 1930s, the infant mortality rate in the Derby was six times the national average. Holy. 34% of all the babies conceived during the derby died, mm. which is awful. And sorry, will you be going over the total number of infants born? Uh, skyrocket in the area, we, I'm guessing. We know that motivated by the derby, um, Charles Miller encouraged 38 children to be born that that lived past infancy. 38. So that would be what, like almost 50 kids born, if that's... Well, yeah. If if thirty four percent of them died, yeah. So yeah. really, really awful. On top of that, Stork mothers, uh, Stork Derby mothers, were in and out of hospital for operations, blood transfusions, and Mrs. Bagnito almost died during her last pregnancy due to hemorrhage. But she did say she would be having those babies either way. It's true, but she was. So we can't blame Charles. We can't blame Charles. She will. She wanted to have those babies anyway. Um, so. You know, it's very dangerous. It's very scary. There's, but these women are motivated by this promise of literally money that could change their entire life. Um, So the race ended on Halloween day of 1936. And at first, there wasn't a clear winner. So Mrs. Kenny. If you were pregnant and your child wasn't born yet, you couldn't claim it. So do you think people purposely like induced labor on themselves so that they could get the babies out? They might have. Hmm. It was it was definitely a photo finish. So Mrs. Kenny claimed that two she, people strapped onto a bed. Whoever pushes out first, let's go. Clock, you win. There's like people waiting, bookies waiting. Um, so Mrs. Kenny claimed that she had had eleven children. Mrs. X or um, Pauline Clark said that she had also had eleven. Oh. Mrs. Bagnato had nine. Oh. So um, some. But claim is not. Do they actually need to produce proof? So that's when all of this started to go into court. Because now people were calling into question, well, what if some of these children were born out of wedlock? Should that count? Um, like He did say if it was a tie, you should split it. Yeah, but the problem was that this whole court battle emerged from it because there really hadn't been any rules in this yeah. contest, right? The only thing was the person who has the most babies wins. And so... They decided that this issue would be taken to court and that these rules 
would be established in front of this audience with these very high stakes. And then all the relatives that have been in the court for years are just like, what? <laughs> You're taking this into consideration, but nothing that we've said? Exactly. Um, so this court battle went on for two years. So Mrs. X, Mrs. Clark, um, and her lover were put on the stand to talk about uh, the legitimacy of their children. They went into great detail of their sexual history. They scrutinized them in court. Mm -hmm. Lawyers were making cruel jokes at their expense in front of the court um, and questioning it. And in the end, um, Mrs. X's children were deemed illegitimate and therefore did not count. That's not nowhere in his rule did he say anything like that. But the court decided that it didn't uh, count. That brought her total down to five, and itched. she was out of the race. No, and they didn't look at this and tell her beforehand. No. What What evidence did they use? Did they go on the birth certificate and go mother's name, father's name? Oh, that's not the right. That's not your husband. Therefore, yeah. Oh wow, that's yeah. Should have just been lying. Who the husband was? The whole flat time. out rude. Yeah, um, Mrs. Kenny was next. Um, so she had said eleven. Two of her children were not properly registered, which makes sense. She was in a slum. She couldn't afford to go give birth in a hospital. So So those could have been illegitimate children and just no proof to back yeah, it up. They, exactly. I don't think those two of them. Counted. She's like, yeah. hey, she you, let me them. borrow that kid. She <laughs> stole some children. Uh, so that brought her number down to nine, but then came into question the ideal of, of stillbirths. So for those of you who might be more sensitive about this, I suggest skipping forward. Um, but... This called into question, should stillbirths be counted as children? Was she counting? She was. She was counting one stillbirth uh, towards her total. So Mrs. Kenny was brought to court, and she was forced to sit and watch as lawyers argued if her dead children were legitimate. Doctors were brought in to go over uh, every graphic detail of the birth, whether the heart had beat, whether the child had breathed. Um, and, and everything that had happened. And as you might imagine, this was incredibly traumatizing uh, for the mothers yes. who had to experience this. And at one point, Mrs. Kenny uh, ran out of the courtroom claiming that she was being treated no better than a dog, which is accurate. Uh, in the end, the judge decided that a child born dead is not in truth a child, therefore uh, did not count towards Mrs. Kenny's total. That left her with a total of six, and she was out of the race. Um, now we have Mrs. Bagnato. So other woman was brought down to five. Yeah. So she is six. So technically, she's still not a front runner, or was there other people at the There time? were other people uh, in the race. They were just the ones in the media. They were just the ones in the media who had the biggest totals before these rules started being implemented hmm. with 11. Um, so Mrs. Bagnato had one stillbirth. And another child that was considered not registered properly. Um, and she claimed that she went to Parliament herself and registered it and claimed that this was a conspiracy to ensure that she didn't get any of the Does money. Did she have a birth certificate? She did, but they couldn't find the files at the Parliament for the registration. How would she get the birth certificate? I don't know. Huh. Uh, but she claimed this was a conspiracy, conspiracy and she was therefore also knocked out of the race. So, the four women that eventually split the winnings were Lucy Timlek, Kathleen Nagel, Annie Smith, and Isabel McLean. They each had nine children in total, um, and they um, 
split the money evenly. Now, the money had did been... Did they have to go to trial and go through all this as well? They did not. Huh. Interesting. They were just like, oh, well, uh, look at these four people. We don't need to actually check any of them. We'll just... Now, here's the interesting bit. Um, they also had, along with having nine children, a lot of other things in common. They were all white. They were all Protestant. And they did were they all... know someone who worked up in the court? They were also considered middle class. Hmm. All the women that had been disqualified... Were lower class. Were lower class. Immigrants. Immigrants. Yes. Um, and French-Canadian. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting how that works. Can't let yeah. the French-Canadians go anywhere. Absolutely now, forbidden. Now, due to Charles Miller's shrewd investment during his lifetime, the money had grown exponentially in that 10 yeah. years. Um, so, in the end, each woman in modern-day money... Got $2 million. I feel like Charles would have been a bit angry about what happened here. Now, the, the thing is, no one really understands why he did it. Why he put that in his will. I feel like he probably thought it wouldn't be taken seriously and that he would just want to do it to shock people. Yeah. And that he would be very excited by the fact it was taken seriously until probably the end where he was just like, oh, that was boring. I wanted these people to get it. Exactly. I could, I think that's a really good reasoning. I think that definitely could be it. A lot of people who knew Charles claimed that he was very pro birth control. And so mm. they thought that this was his funny way of being like, let me show you what people will do to have babies. This yeah. is why we need birth control. Or just look what people will do for money. Look what people will do for money. He proved his point. So yeah, all this is the ultimate commitment. Yeah. To have as many babies as you can. Yeah. Um, so all the women that ended up women, uh, winning had clean and tidy homes, were middle class, didn't live in the slums. Um, and, you know, people saw the Derby one of two ways. Either they loved it, they thought it was amazing, great entertainment. I mean, it's the 1930s, it's the Great Depression. There's not a lot of fun stuff going on. So people were invested in this. Or they thought of this as unspeakable. I would these... feel like this was a cheated race. Yeah. Everyone that put money down on someone, no one bet on these people. So it's 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 sort of like uh like reality TV. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, like proto uh, uh TV. And the problem is right around this time that all this is happening, this is when the eugenics movement is gaining popularity. So the whole idea of only the certain right type of people should be breeding. Only yeah. the certain right type of children should be born. And a lot of people thought that these women, Mrs. Kenny, Mrs. Bagnato, Mrs. X, that they were giving birth to the wrong kind of mm. children. Um, like, oh, okay. So when you put money on it, they're like, oh, these poor people are going to have babies and we don't need more poor babies. So in the end, Mrs. Kenny and Mrs. Clark filed <sighs> appeals yes. to the judge and both received small settlements, not anywhere close to the $2 million dollars. Probably equivalent to about $12,000 in today's if money. If they shared it, they would have got $4 million each. They would have. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so they ended up getting small uh, small settlements. Miss Bagnato never uh, pursued it anymore. She's like, I would have been doing this anyway. She would have. And actually, after the derby ended, she had more children. Um, How many children total did this She ended up being pregnant 24 times oh. in her life. Oh. 12 lived to adulthood. And she even took in an orphan off the street Aww. as well. And took what a care lovely of lady. Um, she uh, 
Like, how many grandchildren this woman would have? Well, that's the interesting thing. She made her family promise never to talk about this derby again. She didn't want it to be involved. And actually, um, in the This American Life episode, they went to a Bagnato family reunion where a hundred and fifty direct descendants of Grace, so grandchildren, uh, and then great-grandchildren as as well, were all there present at this big Christmas party, and they all had to thank um, Charles Miller for their existence, or maybe not. She would have had those kids anyway. Yeah. But the interesting thing was, you know, the right kind of children being born. Among those people, you had a mayor, lawyers, like, people who were incredibly successful. Your family could rule a small town, like, that's yeah. so many people. It's so many people. Did any of them have gambling problems? <laughs> <laughs> Not that we know of. But the the legacy of the Great Stork Derby is the fact that, you know, it said a lot about healthcare in Canada at the time, poverty, racism, yeah. eugenics, and what people will, were willing to do for not only entertainment, but for money. For money, for a little bit of fame. For desperation. Now, since then, was there any rules put in place um, that prohibited what you could put in your will? So, did this crack down on like <laughs> strict, like, okay, no more of this? Um, that was enough. Now there's a rule for this. I think there's definitely more legal precedence now that you couldn't get away with doing what Charles yeah. Miller did. I think they definitely want to prevent this sort of thing from happening again. But the interesting thing is, at the time, this was a sensational news story. It was reported all over the world. And now, 100 years later, it's forgotten. Nobody knows about this. No one talks about this anymore. So it's it's really interesting. But I think it's an important thing to talk about. And I think that Charles Miller, though his intentions may have been humorous or yes. anything else, ended up fueling something very awful. Or was he like, I'm going to shine a light on our city's problems he did give a lot of money in his will to the poor of toronto although he did give a lot of money to people that probably didn't need it in spite in spite (laughs) i know you're not going to use it i don't you don't need it but i'm gonna throw this million dollars your way because i don't like you yeah do you think he might have thought that maybe a like someone from the lower class would be the one to get it if I, i bet you yeah yeah i i definitely feel like that had to be a part of it because the People who tend to have the most children are the lower class because they don't have access to those things that would allow them to to have less children. And a lot of the lower class people in Toronto at the time were Catholic. Mm-hmm. So no birth control there. Yeah. I wonder if the Kennys started a extermination business with all those kids. I don't know. Everyone grab a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to kill it. <laughs> they did get some money... Um, uh, I know for a fact that many of them moved into houses afterwards, so that their situation definitely improved, uh, just in time for World War Two. Yeah. Um, but it's, I just think it's a really cool story. They and needed a bit of entertainment in between the war. Yeah, a cool, interesting part of Canadian history. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm excited to learn this. Yeah. There you go. More information just for you. Yeah. Yay. Uh, so. Kelsey, if people yes. like the show, where can they find us? At History Unfiltered Podcasts. On Instagram? On, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's our Instagram handle. I'm going to post pictures of the families. Oh, yes. And I'll provide a link to one of the news stories um, for the Great Derby race. Or Great Stork Derby. Sorry. I get all yeah. the names confused. Uh, and if you want to email us with more cool topics, you can do so at historyunfilteredpodcast at gmail.com. Um, fair warning. Uh, summer's coming up. Me and Kelsey are both teachers, which means that it's our time off of the year, and we're going on vacation. Time to go wild. Time to go wild. Time to go crazy. Uh, me and Kelsey are going to be traveling across Canada at different times. Different times, different places. So there probably won't be regular episodes again. In- oh, you're going to Toronto, aren't you? I am going to Toronto. You can check out some of the, see if you can find any more facts. Yeah, I would love to do that. I think that's going to be lots yeah. of fun. Uh, yeah, so... Maybe there's a statue of him somewhere. Maybe. Charles Miller. Oh, I'll post a picture of him, too. Yes. Yeah, so you can you can see him. There's a statue of him surrounded by a ton of children. Or a ton of storks. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking... Or just like, throwing For a person who had no fire. dependence, he ended up having 38 children that he, he was responsible for. He might for. have just been like, I want to make sure I'm known for something. I want to guess what his picture looks like. I'm, I'm imagining, like, like thinning to on the top and comb over, like, Coke glass... Like coke, coke bottle lenses and his glasses, and maybe maybe not beard, but like little wispy, like little wispy beard, or like a like a like a really fancy mustache. And I think he looks slightly maniacal. Yes, I will show you the picture when we're done recording. I'll show you the picture. Um, But that's to say, we're going to be on hiatus for a few weeks. You probably won't have a new episode until late August, probably early September. Um, But we've got lots of cool stuff planned coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of cool ideas. One of the ones I was thinking we could do is we could do a live commentary of a movie watch through and people could like listen to it oh, while watching like a history histor- movie. Mm, the only one I've seen is Bill and Ted, so. Perfect. We can do that. Okay. <laughs> There's a, that new Bill and Ted movie coming out. Ah, <sighs> uh, can't wait. Keanu Reeves is just everywhere. Yeah. Um, In a good way. Yeah. The best way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're breathtaking. <laughs> Uh, but with that, uh, thank you very much for listening, and yes. uh, bye-bye. Next time. Bye. bye. You may be right. You may be right.